This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Travel is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, my name is Payam Safa. I'm founder and CEO of Bellhop. And what I love about travel is immersing myself in uh, different cultures around the world and experiencing the local life um, and immersing myself and um, getting to know the people on the ground and how they live and um, what they enjoy to do. How many times have you stood there in a rush switching between different ride-sharing apps on your phone, trying to find who's going to get there the quickest, who's got the cheapest price, who's going to solve your problem the best. It's maddening, and it's a time waster, and for a lot of us, it's just an incredible pain. Well, those days are over, because now there's an all-in-one ride-hailing app that enables you to compare prices and book a ride from companies like Uber, Lyft, and more. How is this going to change not only the face of the ride-sharing industry, but mobility in major metropolitan areas and the travel industry as a whole? From New York City, this is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry with Pavan Ball and John Matson. And now, here are your hosts. Hi, I'm uh, so glad you have joined us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, also joining us is Nick Vivian from T News. Hey, thanks for having me again. And Brandon McKenzie from Metro Butler. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me again. I should say welcome back. Yeah, both of you, welcome back. What is the problem that you're solving with Bellhop? So consumers don't have transparency as of today to make decisions across multiple apps. Uh, we're starting with ride hailing and many consumers will switch between multiple ride hailing apps. For example, Uber, Lyft, Via, there's about 10 in New York City. Uh, and as a result of this non-transparent, you know, a, you know, thing there, uh, they're constantly switching to find the best price or low CTA or whatever the best decision is for them. And so what we do is bring all those apps into one. So it's like a kayak for ride hailing and enable them to make a more informed decision to save time and money every single uh, transaction that they're looking to perform. It's interesting. Is that done in real time? So if I were to go on Bellhop on your app right now versus going on, say, directly into Lyft and directly into Uber, would the prices shown on Bellhop be the same as I see them at that very moment? Correct. Uh, there, the, there are, there's one caveat, which is, uh, there are times when, uh, like those individual apps, like the Uber Lyft could have a promotional price. Um, and you know, it's like a discount because they're trying to re-engage their users. So those discounted promotional prices are not available, but on average, the normal regular pricing that you would see in those apps is in real time what's available within Bellhop. Got it. So. I'm sure you must get this question constantly. Naturally, where my mind goes is, have they tried to stop you? Do they put up roadblocks? Uh, not yet. <laughs> uh, in addition to that, anybody who is not Uber is, uh, 
you know, requesting and contacting us to be a part of our platform. Uh, because everybody else is trying to gain market share, they see us as another distribution channel and are very willing and incentivized to work with us. So do you guys make money off of this right now? Yes. <laughs> Dare I ask? And... <laughs> That's kind the of the point. point answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we take commissions on transactions uh, okay. from everybody who is not Uber. Got it. Okay. And... The platforms themselves, the Lyfts, the Junos, the Vias of the world, they're open to this? Like, do you have direct API access? Correct. That's great. Yes. That's really cool. We're, we're paving the path. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of these companies are either building their APIs for us or they've had them and they're giving us access as the first company to do this type of capability. So there's sort of an interesting uh metaphorical underlay here that i see my immediate assumption is if they're giving you access their focus strictly on market share and they've sort of accepted their fate that ride sharing companies are fungible like we can just trade one for another like cafeteria trays to me and i'd love to hear your thoughts on this that seems to be acceptance that this will be a race to the bottom if you will it's let's capture as much market share as possible knowing that no one is loyal to one brand at all. All they care about is, can it get me to my destination? And am I paying the least amount of money? You're absolutely correct. Uh, the companies have recognized that this is becoming a commodity and that transportation moving from A to B is ultimately the goal of the consumer. Um, you know, in the fastest time within, you know, a price range that makes sense for them, uh, which is why consumers are switching between multiple apps, uh, because that is their intention to get from A to B within a price range and a time that makes sense. And they're not at all worried about this, the big players. I mean, I, at the end of the day, I would have to think that uh, somebody's got to bear that cost. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're just dropping prices um, in that race to the bottom for Lyft to beat out Uber or whatever it may be. And there's got to be a lower bound for that for these guys. But, but you know, the cost is not always the, the, the only barrier to entry for ride sharing. It's sometimes it's how fast it gets there. Yeah. Even though they never are truthful about that. Oh, that's they true. always <laughs> lie. You know, like once you hit the booking, it's like, oh, now it's six minutes. It was two minutes before because they know yeah. that we're opening two apps and comparing them. I really think they do that on purpose. <laughs> like last night, I was so mad. It's like it went from two minutes to eight minutes and the car is the same, you know, the same distance. Well, so, it's six minutes until know. he decides to go get a sandwich. Also that. <laughs> I'm going to take a left here. So it's funny you should mention this. I, I left a birthday party last night and I opened Uber. I did exactly, you know, I should have opened Bellhop. I opened Uber. I looked at the price. I'm like, eh. I don't love that. Let's see what Lyft's doing. I open Lyft. I go back to Uber and I re-enter the, the uh, I was like, Uber's a little cheaper. I re-enter the address mm -hmm. and the price jumped by like two bucks. And I couldn't help but think, are they tracking that? They could know that you left for a minute off the app. I mean, they could just assume your behavior was X, right? I mean. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, we don't know why or what Uber did in that minute two minutes, whatever it was that time elapsed from you to go to Lyft and then back to Uber. Um, but ultimately, a lot of it's based on uh, demand at any given moment versus supply in that moment. And if within seconds or minutes, there's a lot of fluctuation in supply and demand, which is typically what's driving that price. What about the driver side of the equation? I know there was, I can't remember the name of it. There was one 
that was a driver kind of meta where you could just open one and then it would maestro take, maybe maybe and i think they went out of business or, or they still around but so, so what about that side of the equation because the demand side of as far as having enough drivers to match you know who's around is that something you think maybe you would get into or do you think that's a more sensitive side of the business and maybe you can't make money there i don't know much about the business aspect of that i think for us ultimately the pain that we solve for the consumer is really the, you know, that's the problem we're looking to solve. There are drivers that will also work for multiple ride hailing companies like Uber, Lyft, or Juno, and they'll have three phones in their car to then decide which one. So uh, there is that kind of solution for the driver. Uh, ultimately, I think for those companies that are like a maestro if that company exists uh they'd be charging the driver to provide that solution um so it's a completely different business model and a different problem um it's not something that we're focused on at all uh by how did, how did you figure out that there was a business model here what kind of research did you do to determine that there would be enough demand for this or was this based on well obviously this is a need uh, and then the second question is, is how were you able to determine that the ride sharing companies would be interested and not see this as a threat? Was that just one on one conversations with them? This is what we're going to do. Are you cool with it? Um, because it seems to me that for some people who are really loyal Uber people and then they become introduced to this app, suddenly they've got new solutions coming to them and that could threaten their loyalty to a company like Uber. So a couple of questions there. One, how did we come to, uh, yeah, I want to stack as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly. like a meta question, you know, you have to choose between the two. Favorite color. <laughs> so how did we determine this is, uh, a, you know, viable problem to solve? Yeah. Well, I mean, if we look back at the app store, you know, historically over the last 10 years that it's been around, the number of apps um, has been growing exponentially year over year um, in those 10 years. And, you know, it's it's pretty common sense that's like, okay, well, there's all these apps. We have a limited amount of bandwidth in our minds and in our phones on what we can handle. Um, and, and just from that logical approach... Uh, you can look at any consumer behavior. We can all ask each other, and, and we've done a lot of research that most consumers only have one to two max, maybe three um, apps within a vertical that performs a particular utility. So ride hailing, for example, most consumers might have one or two ride hailing apps. Very, very few will have three, four, five. Um, and so, so, so logically there's this, you know, inability, if you want to call it, to uh, have the bandwidth to open up more than a few apps to make a decision. Uh, we actually like to compare the business model similarly to Kayak um, with, you know, airline bookings or, you know, going through online travel agents or OTAs. You would typically look at maybe one or two websites pre-Kayak to make a decision on what flight you wanted to book. Uh, but Kayak was able to consolidate 5, 10, 20, 100 websites. And now you make it seamlessly 
taking a problem that was impossible to do on your own to now it's all capable uh, able you're able to do through technology and so it's that same analogy for us that with so many apps within these verticals and for the example of ride hailing uh, it's near impossible for a consumer to look at multiple apps and second question the concern about uh, yeah. loyalty to Uber. Thanks for I, following along, yeah. Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do they really loyal to Uber? <laughs> I mean, I mean, that was just one example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I mean, again, it's 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 the recognition that con- that this is over time becoming commoditized, and uh, and aggregators continue to exist for that reason. And again, the kayak and the Skyscanner and Trivago are perfect examples of that. And Dara, who's the new CEO of Uber, um, who owned one of the biggest meta, you know, meta search sites in Trivago, completely understands this business model and the need that the consumer has, which is one of the reasons why we think right now is the most opportune time to penetrate this market. And loyalty is an interesting kind of question, too, when it comes to Dara, actually, you know, like, would Uber maybe have a loyalty program at some point, you know, like a direct booking thing, like if, you know, your app starts going or maybe that's something you provide. And they do. Idea. Yeah. And, and I mean, they do. They have the promotional pricing. They have these uh, incentives created with their own uh, credit cards and partnerships with various restaurants and um, hotel companies where you'll get discounts and cashbacks when you book through with a partner that then comes back to your account as a credit that can be used on your next purchase. So there are these incentives and if you want to call them loyalty-ish uh, rewards that are being created. And again, if you look at flights, you know, Nick, you might prefer United and you're going to go direct to United when you're on a business flight because you have points, you get the awards, you get the upgrades. But when you're, you know, more leisurely going on a destination where it's not predestined because of a business travel, you could go direct, you can go and book on kayak because for that journey, you don't care um, because you're not necessarily looking for the loyalty in that, in that scenario. Yeah. I'd love to see Uber give uh, upgrades. You know, just random Uber X upgrades. You know what I mean? I actually think like one that, of my you know, good friends. Is I know a it VIP. happens sometimes, but yeah, you have to spend a lot. I think there's you even do more spend than that. Like, like you know, also a limo shows up yeah. for you or something, just occasionally, because it's sort of like this lottery thing. Like you never know. Yeah, it seems like there's a little bit of a missed opportunity there. I know I've called uh, what an Uber X, like the cheap one, at times, and um, you know, like a Cadillac Escalade has shown up. I'm like. It's weird that they haven't marketed that being like, hey, you've got an upgrade. Now you're in an Uber X or an Uber X or sorry, Uber Black or Uber XL. It's just like that happened to be the nearest driver. Well, it's it's the auction system as well that the ride hailing companies perform. So that Uber X or XL driver, uh, sorry, the Uber Black or Uber XL driver who picked you up has um basically ticked off something in the back end that says i'm willing to pick up an uber x ride and so when uber sends out that auction to the nearest drivers that uber xl slash black driver has the option of picking up knowing that he's going to take a a hit on the amount that he's going to get for that ride so it's interesting though that uber hasn't uh, hasn't flipped that script and said look this guy I mean, surely they have the data. This guy does, uh, you know, 92% Uber black rides 
this guy got lucky. You know, throw me a little badge on my app to let me know. Make me feel good about it. So I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that's a reason to use. We don't know about the auction. Use. We can just feel like they just took care of you. Yeah. Just you know, call it like silver, gold, or platinum. Business class upgrade. Yeah, right. Free upgrade, right? Uber extra. There yeah. you go. Done. <laughs> no, totally. Coming up, we're going to get into the data of Bellhop uh, right after this. We'll be right back. The superior audio quality on Mouth Media Network is powered by Sennheiser. And as a listener, you can receive a 25% discount on virtually any headphone, microphone, and other high-quality audio product available to purchase directly on the Sennheiser website. Just visit Sennheiser.com and enter the code MOUTHMEDIASEN, that's MOUTHMEDIA, S-E-N-N, at checkout. Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B I Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at travelisyourbusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to mouthmedianetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest. Or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. So earlier, you know, we had talked uh, briefly a bit about, you know, what sort of data are these ride hailing companies capturing? What could they do with it? Um, I'm dying to know. You must have tremendous data now because you're seeing this at a very bird's eye view across all platforms. Are you guys using that do you have sort of a bigger vision of what you want to be when you grow up like (laughs) (laughs) tying all that together we definitely have a lot of data um (laughs) we we know what the prices are across you know the different ride hailing services at any given time um so you know we don't know yet how we're gonna leverage that um we know there's a lot of potential with it uh, any travel company, whether it's an airline or it's a, um, a particular, um, you know, I think the ride hailing services themselves would be interested to know on an anonymous level kind of how they compare, you know, at different times on their pricing and ETAs. Um, so uh, airlines might want to know their customers and what kind of ground transportation they're using to get to the airport or from the airport. So we know that there is potentially a market for the data that we are capturing. You just need to build the Bloomberg terminal for it, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Uh, so we know we know it's something that's uh, has a large opportunity uh, to capture in terms of monetization of it. Are you contractually obligated to do some things with it and not other things? Like, could you do something with it, or do the does Uber not want you to actually, you know, share that data? Eighty you know, uh, well, percent. We own all cheaper. transactional data. Gotcha. We so. do, we just don't own Uber specific data, okay. which is uh, not even something that we really look at. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. So you had mentioned before, and you know, stop me if I'm prying here, but no, that, don't stop. Just <laughs> that all of the other uh, ride sharing companies sort of cut you in on a margin, or that's how you monetize your product, except for Uber. Right. What does that look like? Zero. They just said plain and simple. Yep. But they still give you access. It's direct access. Right. Yeah. I mean, we they we need 
them way more than they need us. And so we need to build our business. And for us, having supply and building our user base is um, is the most important kind of KPIs that we're looking for initially. Um, obviously, commissions and making money is important. Um, it takes second priority as of this moment in this stage of our business to grow. I'm sure the commissions aren't so hot on the on the lift side of the equation, but have you ever thought about splitting with the consumer, the commission? So it's like when they book with you on Lyft, it's cheaper. So they would just come to you to start because you're you we know, believe money in back. price transparency on the consumer side. So if you're paying ten dollars in the Lyft app, you're gonna pay ten dollars in the Bellhop app. We if we start charging the consumer fee, um, they lose the incentive to book direct on Bellhop because the whole purpose of aggregating um, ride hailing apps is to give the consumer the transparency to make an informed decision. Most the other way, you give them a discount for booking on Bellhop. See what I mean? Well, you then, just, we, then we're just the eating into our market. That's what margin. I mean. It's like it's a hard, you know, yeah. it's a hard driving thing. But you know, the quick way to build demand is it's cheaper than Lyft, right? And but Lyft sure. probably would end up shutting you off. I would imagine. Yeah, and, and I mean, all, all the ride hailing apps essentially do that. They eat into their margins by giving discounts. And yeah, because they're all making money, right? No, <laughs> they're, venture, they're venture capital, right? A lot of right. VC someone money being the, lost. Uber, that's for sure. What did someone? Was it someone from Bloomberg? The Uber is the great wealth redistribution of our deck of our of our of the decade or even the century because it's worth so much money and it makes zero. So everyone's seen all these early investors have cashed out, cashed out, cashed out, and it has never made a penny. You know, Amazon so. didn't make a penny for twenty years. True, but now look at it. Right? <laughs> exactly. But now it's you know going to be exactly. probably the most valuable company ever. You know, Apple. But yeah, it's interesting to watch. Yeah, I mean, we we don't we don't really know. I mean, I think ultimately everything does become commoditized. Uh, the landscape becomes more equal, yeah. um, so the margins do go towards zero eventually. Well, what about tours and activities? I saw the the extra tab there. Was that a addition after the fact, or walk us through? You know, for anyone who's not familiar, there's also a tours and activities booking area of the web of the the app. Well, so. that, that's actually being taken out. So that was oh, okay. Yeah. So that was uh, taken out. Why? Yeah, why? Because we're putting the focus right now on ride hailing. Uh, we do have the intention to, so this is a learning that we've had, which is um, the ver- the initial version of the app that we released had essentially one partner in a vertical. So one in you know food delivery, one in restaurant reservations, one in ride hailing, one for shows, one for tours. And then um, we, uh, and then Lyft approached us, said they want to be a part of our platform. Uh, and then when we added in Lyft, uh, that start that channel of ride hailing comparing Uber and Lyft started receiving a lot of attention and traction. So that's when we came to the realization that this is where we're going to put energy initially, and then later taking the same business model that we're performing for ride hailing of you know aggregating ride hailing apps will perform the same thing for food delivery, for example, to combine Seamless, Grubhub, Postmates, DoorDash, Caviar, Uber Eats, Delivery.com. And again, it's the same problem that's being solved, which is consumers don't have transparency to make a decision because they're not going to have more than one or two food delivery apps on their phone. Um, So if you wanted a burger uh, and you were thinking between five guys or Shake Shack or McDonald's, you don't know which of those 10 food delivery apps each of those restaurants are in. With Bellhop, you wouldn't need to figure out which food delivery app the restaurant that you want a burger from is going to be in. It's going to all be in one place. 
does the name bellhop reflect a little bit of what the original direction and thinking and structure of the company was and has that name gotten away a little bit from what you're actually focused on now or does it still seem like it you know it you're seeing that it fits just as much it fits just as much with the vision because the intention is still to perform the same business model for the other verticals uh it's just the initial kind of six to 12 months will be focused on ride hailing the question would be is if we uh, if we spun off a bellhop food delivery version of the app, kind of the way something like Uber Eats created, you know, another app based on their logistics platform, or do we have similar to the current version that you have in the app store that's actually being relaunched tomorrow or in the next day? Um, is it going to be like another kind of drop down or another ability to select food delivery as a vertical or restaurant reservations. And again, within each of those, you'd have multiple apps aggregated. I know this is uh, kind of going the territory Brandon started this, uh, this segment with, but um, how much of, are you looking at this as uh, in a more global view of data play? Because the ability to connect the dots between how someone's ride sharing and what uh, other things they're doing um, in in those other areas, because um, you say you're still going to be doing it at other verticals, right? So the ability to get that kind of information and connect the dots between behaviors, are you looking at this as a as a as a commodity that you can sell separately from the business model of a ride sharing app? So the vision has always been really answer be- it better than I asked it. <laughs> yeah, as always, right? That's <laughs> I'll try. Okay. <laughs> the, so the vision has always been to actually be a traveler solution. Um, so the the problem has always been with with this lack of transparency across apps. The value proposition is at the highest when you are not at home. So if I'm a New Yorker going to Germany. I don't know of the five German ride hailing apps. And Uber is actually the worst performing in Germany. That's interesting. Because the supply um, due to the regulations in Germany right now, Uber is technically illegal. And so a lot of drivers, even though that in theory the platform still works, there are relatively zero or little drivers in Germany. Um, and so from that perspective it's not even the problem isn't even switching it's it's you don't even know what the what the local app is um so so it plays that theme plays into our vision which is the aggregation in the local market where you live but also in an international or non local market where um you don't even know and again it's that same problem across verticals so uh, that's and that's where the name bellhop is derived from, because uh, kind of an individual at a hotel is offering these services. The reason why a hotel offers concierge services, restaurant services and, uh, you know, housekeeping services is because those are basic needs of a human outside of sleep and sex. So when you're not at home, you have this inherent need to figure out how to move around, how to eat good food and how to be clean and, you know, have your laundry taken care of, et cetera. So, so that's why we're focused on, you know, these three verticals, starting with ride hailing and going into the other ones and 
pulling in those best local apps when you're not at home as well. And then aggregating sleep and sex will come in that's, Q2 that's of extra, next yeah, year. Yeah. Talk about data. <laughs> All your different options, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could expand into other verticals. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm curious, you know, sort of the nuts and bolts of the app because I've used it here in New York, um, but I haven't used it somewhere that I'm not familiar with. Right. Uh, I'm about to head to Amsterdam and Milan and you yeah. know, a few places over the holidays. And my immediate thought is, well, this is great. If I need to leave the airport and, you know, get to my buddy's house, how can I do it? So just in a practical sense, let's say I open your app and I'm in Amsterdam. Will it show me the their Uber equivalent if there's something different? Or if I'm in China, is it going to show me Didi or, or Uber there? And can I book it right through the app? Like, will I have my own account with my credit card stuff stored? Or will I have to go in and be like, okay, now I have to create a DD account and it's in Chinese and I have to, you know, put my credit card information in and then go back to the app? Or is it all baked right in? So the first question is, is we need to build the supply in all those markets. Okay. Um, so we don't have a relationship with DD or my taxi or the other three local German ride hailing apps yet. When we do, the intention is to make this, the uh, experience as seamless as possible where you do not need an account with those other apps. You just need one account with Bellhop. And then we behind the scenes take care of the the data and the kind of requesting the ride aspect. So so there seems to be tremendous value in that, yeah. especially in, you know, to me, if I'm in a foreign place and I don't know what things should cost, you know, I can't tell you the number of times, uh, you know, my business sort of focuses around the sharing economy for, you know, Airbnb, HomeAway, things like that. And the number of times our receptionists get asked the question of what's the best way to get in from JFK? Should I, right. you know, use a gypsy cab, taxi, Uber, things like that? If I could just flip your app open right. in, you know, say the Netherlands or something like that, and it just tells me, right. that's amazing. Yeah, I mean that's we're gonna get there. We're starting in the we're starting in the U.S. Uh, and you know definitely plan to expand by the middle of 2018 into other markets and for expense management too. You know what I mean? Not only oh, having yeah. one place to to get your right. receipts for a business traveler is pretty right. awesome. Yeah, um, so we already have the with the next release, which uh, as I mentioned is going to be launching in the next day or two. Although that's fully not going to be correct because this isn't live. Uh, so the it's new, live now. So, yeah, so <laughs> exactly. So, so, so the new release is live now and you do have the ability to have personal versus business account and multiple credit cards linked to your account to, you know, to select kind of how you want to, um, you know, move about that. How are you going to prioritize the localization of new markets is it looking at demand is it like seeing the your super users here in america are xyz types of people and trying to find countries where those more people like that are you know what is going to be your process as you grow globally? it's where we where we see the most growth potential so you know new york city is the starting point for us here because new york city has the highest demand of ride hailing um, and it has the most number of apps there's about 10 uh, so we'll analyze every market, not just in the U.S., but across uh, the world and overseas and determine where we have the most potential to, to take on the next market. And see how the partners perform probably too, right? If they have a tough API, yeah. like, you know, if it's impossible to do, even there's demand must be. Right. I mean, because we're literally paving the path in a lot of ways with having these companies open up their APIs. So if if a market that is you know, top of the list, but like all the local players are being very tough. Maybe there's a secondary market that's slightly easier Then you know, we'll make that decision at that time. 
And would that include uh, <coughs> would that also include taxi taxi apps then in the end? I've never yeah, seen so rideshare. We're, we're but... in conversations with uh, like Curb, Aero to integrate them, and we're looking to have them within Bellhop and by Q1, Q2 of 2018. I think that's great because you know sometimes like Vegas always comes to mind. You know, like I never really use Uber, or Lyft in in Vegas because it's such a pain mm-hmm. at the casinos to get to the one spot. You know, but it would be nice just to remind yourself that this taxi is actually going to cost you seven dollars more. Maybe it's worth walking four minutes. You know, to to get that discount. You know, so. Right. Yeah, and we're we're and we're actually now in talks with uh, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, so they own and operate JFK, LaGuardia, and Newark airports. They also own a lot of other assets, but that's what's relevant for this conversation. And um, we're launching a partnership with them, hopefully Q one of two thousand eighteen, wow. where uh, our our brand will be uh, marketed at all their terminals uh, across all those airports. And, um, and that would be the first time in, in history that they do such a thing. And so the idea there is we're helping them transform their ground transportation logistics because we're not only connecting to Uber and Lyft, but we're also connecting to uh, the taxis. And in addition to that, other ground transportation options like super shuttles and airporter buses. So cool. the consumer and the passenger in that scenario has complete transparency to make a, to make the best decision on what kind of ride they want in that moment to get them from the airport to their destination. That's amazing. Oh, you That's so useful. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Super I, I was useful. Just thinking the other day, even Google doesn't do that. Like right. playing Google Maps, I was heading up to Westchester the other day and I flip it open and it says, yeah, you know, take 95, cross a bridge, you know, $15 toll. And I toggled off avoid tolls one minute slower and don't you know spend the 15 bucks on the toll i was like thanks google for not even giving me that option (laughs) if you can bake that in to every transportation option available whether that's train taxi the port authority may not like you so much after that though yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh that's unbelievable again like just the ride hailing opportunity itself is huge Mm -hmm. uh when you start looking at other modes of transportation being multimodal across rail and you know whatever they're like bike shares and pedicabs uh, pedicabs are you 50 cab guys are gonna hate you i am familiar <laughs> with host what about uh chariot chariot is another uh prospective uh supply partner for us yeah do, do you have a connection to them we do okay good but if you have more we'll be happy to take it we <laughs> <laughs> no we, we do we've we've interviewed um one of their main people so do you think for on the demand side you know are you thinking more partnerships is the way to grow demand or are you thinking you'll do some like you know consumer marketing face to you know consumer facing marketing or how are you going to keep going getting the word yeah out? i mean we're we're a marketplace right we have a supply side and a demand side so just like any marketplace business we have to um be very conscious of how we're continuing to build both sides of the business uh, as of now um we haven't started marketing at all we are going a full-fledged marketing with this new release of the app that we just launched um, January, February of, of 2018. Um, as we continue to grow, we have a whole uh, supply um, list lined up uh, via Curb, Aero, Juno, Get, etc. Um, that we've been in conversations with a w- for a while and they're giving us access to APIs. We're actually in the midst of finalizing some of those contracts now. Um, so it, it, we're constantly working on both. It's a challenge. It's, it's a tough a one. You definitely, definitely stepped into definitely, it. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. So it sounds like you guys have really made headway with uh, first mover advantage here. Yeah. But is there anything to stop another entrant into the marketplace? 
Not necessarily. I mean, you know, when Uber started out uh, seven, eight years ago, they were the first, uh, you know, Lyft or sidecar was there as well. Um, now there's, you know, over 100 around the world, right? So with any, a lot of consumer products or apps, there is no proprietary technology. Uh, so first mover advantage, ha get building the brand, getting the trust with the consumer um, are huge advantages. And there's other things that we could do that can limit um, you know, other players that enter the market to, uh, you know, catch up to us. For example, the Port Authority deal, having partnerships like that where we get more entrenched into the market and make it more difficult for another player to be a close second to us. All right. Um, that is an incredible conversation. I must say, what an impressive path you guys are on. Really amazing. Appreciate that. Um, and when you bring up the Port Authority uh, potential relationship, uh, Holy cow, sky's the limit, it seems. Okay, coming up, a little bit more of a personal side of our guest right after this. We'll be right back. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. I had a successful career an Ivy League education, and led a very rational life. Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. Let's talk about your story. Tell me about all the pain from all of your pivots. When did you decide that Bellhop, the first version of the concierge app, wasn't working and walk us through that especially the hard parts where do i begin <laughs> silence is telling yeah. so there's been a lot of pain um specifically with the first version of the of the platform <clears throat> we were a hotel concierge app so the vision has remained aligned um initially how we thought we can go to market because when we, when i started in 2014 uh none of these apps had apis well take that back they have apis not necessarily access to third parties any company or any app in the world has to have an api because technologically that's just how it works um since they didn't have apis at the time that were accessible to third parties such as us, uh, we thought the best path to market was to build the supply side of the business, leveraging um, the infrastructure that already existed, where hotels, the humans at the hotels, the concierge staff, the restaurant staff, and the, uh, the housekeeping staff are 
provide providing these services um, uh, at the actual hotel. So you can make a request within the Bellhop app, for example, a concierge request that would go to the concierge staff. They would take care of it. And then you get a real time notification back that it was taken care of. So any of those requests could be done through the Bellhop app instead of being physically in your hotel room, picking up the phone to speak to an operator. As we were continuing to build that business, uh, the hotels were asking us to deeply integrate with their hotel systems, build hotel-related features. The sales cycle was sometimes 12 months to get a single property on board. So it became apparent pretty quickly that there were scalability issues with that model to build enough hotel supply to be a solution for the consumer. Um, so at that point, there was two options. It was either pivot away from building a consumer product and focus on building a solution for hotels, uh, similar to the Alice app, who's also pivoted to become more hotel middleware since then. Or it was figure out another way to build the supply side of the business. And actually, at the time, I was living in Indonesia when I started the business. Moved to the U.S. to, to, to navigate the landscape. Um, and then with those two options on the table of finding another way to build the supply side of the business after analyzing the market then a year later there were apis for uber at that point then you know there was viator and resi had just built apis and delivery.com um etc so then we said okay well we can build a product that aggregates apps across food, entertainment, and transport, and then said, okay, well, we can actually distribute this through Airbnb hosts, for example, because they don't have any infrastructure to provide concierge services to their guests. Or a limited service hotel who doesn't have a concierge or a restaurant on site um, can also provide this concierge app to their guests to fill that void. So the hard decision there was completely dumping that initial version of the of the hotel app to build this completely new product from scratch. What was the time frame of this that, that you really got to that point? It was about a year and a half from having because we had customers with the hotel app and we basically had to end the contracts, um, stop taking money from them. Um, and start from scratch with this new product. So that was a very tough decision because at that point I had invested $150,000 in my own cash. And did you take any other money? or is it I started taking money okay. after the pivot. Okay. What's the soundtrack of your life? What's the music that represents your life the most? Could be an artist, could be a type of music, could be a song. Or you want literally a song. Oh, no. <laughs> Or genre, uh, an artist, or, a yeah. genre, a song, whatever. However you want to approach this. Um, I'm I'm a high energy guy, so I'm like a David Guetta, like you know, let's party and and you know, get going and um, shake the dance floor and and you know, uh, stir things up a bit, kind of person. So. <laughs> that's why you're dancing at your desk all the time right? <laughs> exactly <laughs> right, keeps the audience. um well now that we have the uh the soundtrack i'm curious you know i know i sort of casually asked it before but i'm genuinely curious um what you want to be when you grow up because it seems like you've really carved out this cool thing of it's like building a foundation to a house and there's all these little api nodes 
that plug you in and connect all these cool companies together. Um, the possibilities of that, you know, my mind just started wandering. I'm like, how many companies could you do this with? How many verticals? How how many you know different industries could this touch on? Is there sort of a grander vision of where you want to take this or even beyond this, where you yourself want to be, you know, a few years from now? Yeah. Uh, so on the technology side of things, I, I actually think this is going to sound absurd, but I think we have an opportunity to reinvent an operating system. Um, like I think we could potentially uh, transform iOS and Android um, because building uh, machine learning AI on top of this smart API layer has massive implications on how we use our the devices that sit in front of, in our pockets and we use every day. Um, I'm personally very uh, committed to transforming education. Uh, I've started working um, on a project on the side to build a new education to uh, effectively transform the current education system that society has created. Uh, so uh, part of the challenge in today's society is we've, we've built this education system based on the first industrial revolution, which develops a, a fixed mindset where we know um, from a young age to become something in particular, going after a particular job function in society because society knew we could become a carpenter or a lawyer or a manufacturer or a doctor. And so the basic skills framework that we have is we go to class, we have six classes a day, we can you know achieve a 4.0 to get a 1600 and become X. Um, the transformation that we're creating is to develop a growth mindset where a child can create any new possibility in his or her own life. Because with the technology innovations that are happening at the accelerated pace that they're happening, uh, we don't know anymore what in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, what, we, what we're possible, uh, what, what, what the opportunities are and what's possible. And so uh, children need to grow up with this mindset of being able to create anything at any given moment. And so there's a whole uh, architecture that we've built to enable that growth mindset. And how can people connect with you and what kind of people are you looking to connect with? I think the best thing to do is um, actually my contact information is all on our website. It's at getbellhop.io um, on LinkedIn. You can easily find me. Um, I'm generally very accessible. So uh, social media, you can find me on Twitter or Facebook. Feel free to message me on any of those channels. All you have to do is hail you. Exactly. <laughs> your ride, your way. That's right. All right. Uh, well, thank you uh, so very much, uh, Payam Safa, founder and CEO of Bellhop. Uh, thank you, guys. Much appreciated. And thank you for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. Uh, and a uh, uh, second level of appreciation to our two guest hosts, Brandon McKenzie from Metro Butler and Nick Vivian from Tino's. It's been real. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm Mark Rako, and we really appreciate you listening. Have a great day, and I uh, hope you enjoyed your stay. This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening.
This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.